Bidding a fond farewell to free televised football. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Girls, welcome to episode 245 of Hand of Pod, which I would love to say is the last of the year, but it's not. It's going to be the penultimate one of the year, um, because there's a round of matches still to go, even though we're already in mid-December, which is most unusual for Argentina, but there we go. Um, I'm joined, I'm Sam Kelly, and this week I'm joined, as usual, by Andres Bruckner. Welcome back, Andres. Phil, how are you? Very well, how are you? Well, I'm a bit sad because of of course, result of Sandy match, but uh, at the same time I am glad because today is 30 years from the first uh, Intercontinental Cup or European South American Cup that River won against Steaua Bucharest from of Romania, one mm-hmm. uh, 0 with that goal from Antonio Alzamendi, the Uruguayan striker. So I I can't say I'm totally sad. So I yes I am a bit uh, upset because of uh, the match we lost against Boca, uh, but uh, remembering that uh, great match that gave us the first um, intercontinental cup or European South, South American Cup, and ex- uh, expecting the tomorrow's uh, very important match. So I can say I am crying or, or totally upset. It was uh, it's it's a bit of a strange week in that sense, really. But we'll yes. get onto that in a minute. First of all, I shall go through all of the results in the Primera from the weekend that just happened a few days ago. Uh, there were three matches on Friday, which is strange, but that's what happened. Aldo CB won, Patronato won in Mar del Plata. In Junín, Sarmiento got a two-nil win over Tigre. In Tempele, Tempele got a one-nil win over Godoy Cruz. And then on Saturday, we had a few more. Vélez Sarsfield 2, Atlético de Rafaela 0 in a big relegation clash. Sorry, Vélez fans, but that is what it was. Um, Tacheres 1, Newell's Old Boys 1, as Tacheres' very impressive run of results keeps up. Um, San Lorenzo 3, Union de Santa Fe 2 in Bajo Flores. Gimnasia La Plata 1, Belgrano de Córdoba 1. And Racing 0, Olimpo 2. On Sunday, we saw the incredibly rare spectacle of a high-scoring and entertaining uh, Super Clásico, in spite of the fact that it's left both Andres and me, you know, obviously both hoping for different results. Um, but uh, in spite of that, it was a very good game, and it finished River Plate 2, Boca Juniors 4. Um, and then we had Banfield 1, Huracán 0, San Martín de San Juan 3, Estudiantes 2 in another cracking game. Colón nil, Independiente 2. Yes, you heard that right. Independiente scored more than once in a game. Uh, Rosario Central 1, Lanús 2 in also quite a good game. 
and Atletico took around three Quilmes nil in the late match. And then on Monday night, Defensa Justicia claimed a 2-0 home win over Arsenal de Sarandí in another relegation battle. Um, we will obviously start with the big one, the Super Clásico. Unfortunately, lest we be open to accusations of any bias on this podcast, um, none of our tamed Boca fans were able to make it, or perhaps they were unwilling, I don't know. Um, but for whatever reason, they're, they're not here, they were all invited. Um, and it's a shame, because I would have liked to, to have, you know, got their perspective on it as well. Yes, but by, somehow I don't, uh, I'm not surprised about this. Because <laughs> they, they, they abandoned when... Uh, <laughs> in the last Copa Libertadores in 2015, and they, are, they abandoned now. Indeed. It's just what they do. Um, but more seriously, um, as I say, it, it was a really good game. At half-time, River were 2-1 up. But quite aside from the scoreline, it had been you know open, it had been entertaining... It has to be said that of the six goals that were scored, four of them, five of them, were, were from really quite serious uh, defensive mistakes. Um, but that's in itself is something that you very rarely see in the Super Classico because people are too afraid to, to make any mistakes. It's far more likely to finish 0-0 or 1-1 than it is 4-2. Um, what happened? I, I really enjoyed it. It's the it first was... Super Classico I've seen, I think, all the way through, uninterrupted, that I actually enjoyed watching. It was as entertaining as strange as a weird match because um, when Boca was comfortable, I think winning the, the match one nil with a very good goal because that play by Tevez was was great, uh, giving a great pass to, to Walter Bow. Uh, I, I I admit that I I didn't believe he he would be <coughs> scoring like he did he's doing mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, and after that, River got the equalizer because of a very, very uh, uh, stupid mistake by, by Peruzzi, I think, um, that uh, almost gave the ball to 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 Lucy for to score the equalizer. Then was the t- turn around the, the result, the two one by Alario, and uh, after that, it was River who was able uh, if. They were ac- who would have been accurate to to, to score the, the uh, another goal to to get a, a, a better difference a three one which I think would be definite would have been definite mm. and then it came the mistake by Batasha which is well uh, anyone could say eh, well he's young and he co- he he must. Uh, there, there should be a, another goalkeeper with more experience or well, well a lot of things but the truth is that he will co- make mistakes and as, as well as Gachardo Filiol another uh, former goalkeeper who was a glory at, at River Plate said that this, these are the mistakes that will make them will make him be a better goalkeeper uh, and unfortunately of course it was against Boca which is even more painful than if the mistake would have been against another team. Mm. But uh, he will grow, he will be better uh, goalkeeper, and a lot of goalkeepers, I think Gatti also, or another former goalkeeper, used to say that uh, the stupid mistakes that end in goals make goalkeepers be better goalkeepers in the future. Yeah. You always grow with the mistakes. But well, after that, after that, mis- that mistake, Boca took control another uh, 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 again uh, of the match and 
there was uh, some controversy again because of, uh, because of the of the changes that Gachardo introduced into the team. I, I think that it, it's it's sort of difficult to to say without sounding as if we're taking away from Boca's performance, which I don't want to do. Um, because they deserve a lot of credit for the way that they came back in the second half and for the way that they took advantage of uh, of, of, of Rivers, uh, as you say, mistakes tactically and, and on the pitch. Um, and it's also worth mentioning before we move on to it that, that Carlos Tevez's, uh, Tevez's second goal, Boca's third, was superb, was, was worthy of, of winning any match, any fixture in the world. Um, and indeed Tevez's performance was throughout the game. Uh, he set Bowles' goal up, he scored two himself. He didn't set Centurion up as well, did he? That was was that Gago? The, the one who scored is the fourth. Yeah. No, yeah, Centurion. Yeah. No, but I mean, who set it up? It was. Oh, it was straight from the goal kick, wasn't it? I don't remember. Big long kick up the pitch. Yes. I think it yeah. was long ball, but I don't remember. Um, but anyway, Tevez was fantastic throughout. Um, but the reason that it's difficult not to sort of look at the impact that Rivers subs had is that Andres D'Alessandro was as good or possibly better than Tevez while he was on the pitch but was subbed off after an hour um, and the reason that that happened of course is that tomorrow night uh, we've got the the big match that um, Andres hinted at uh, a few minutes ago which is the Copa Argentina final um, and it seemed like a really strange way therefore of, of playing the Super Classico to me from Gacharado's point of view where this time last week Peter and I were wondering is he going to play a full-strength team? And it was just sort of starting to look like the answer to that question was yes. Uh, but then you think, if you're, if you're going to play the full-strength team for the match, then play the full-strength team you know, for the match. Don't, don't play the full-strength 11 and then make changes to protect those players, such as D'Alessandro, um, for the Copa Argentina final, when the game isn't completely dead. Uh, it was it was 2-1 to River and you know at that point it was it was looking like River were on top of the game and, and were um, were going to go ahead and, and, and win it if D'Alessandro stayed on the pitch and he didn't and that was the, the change really that took a lot of the impetus out of River's possession uh, D'Alessandro came off for, for Ivan Rossi who's a defensive midfielder um, and that sort of caused River to fall back a little more and that's, that's ultimately what, what Boca took very, very good advantage of quite shortly after D'Alessandro went off because um, Tebes scored two or three minutes after, didn't he? Yeah. Like 61st minute, D'Alessandro had gone off in the 58th or something like that. Um, and so it was just a little bit... It was a peculiar one. I mean, you either put the reserves out and say, no, we're protecting the first team for the Copa Argentina final, which is, you know objectively speaking if you ignore the rivalry it is the most important match that River have in, in these few days um, because it's the one that gets them into the Copa Libertadores or you say no we have to win the Clásico and in that case you go out and you try to win the Clásico um, and what they ended up doing was sort of neither one nor the other so it was a very strange sort of uh, thing to do for it's me the, the eternal doubt uh, that you feel when you have to play two important matches but with a very few days of difference between each one, mm. each one each other, and uh, you have players that are clearly the ones the more important uh, important in the in the team, and others that aren't playing regularly that are the clearly substitutes, and you have to make a balance. And 
in some point of view, I understand Gallardo. Of course, I he could have made a mistake uh, introducing Rossi, uh, uh, replacing Gacha, uh, Gallardo, replacing Alessandro with almost 30 minutes to play. Um, but I think that anything he would have done, he would have been criticized because if if he would have uh, uh, built a team with substitutes. Or, or youngsters like he did against Independiente. Of course, the supporters media will have uh, criticized him because it's an important match because it's a super classico, and he could have lost it because of that. And uh, with fresh players for the final of the Copa Argentina, he would have lost against Boca. Um, and well, uh, I think that uh, Alessandro played a very very good. I think the best first half or the best uh, uh, piece of match. He, 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 since he's at River, he's, yeah. he, he came back to River. Same as Tevez, it's incredible. Both players play the best Super Classico on their last Super Classico because Tevez is, it is said that he will leave and Alessandro has contract, uh, his contract uh, expires yeah. now at, at the end of the year. And uh, I think that even Gachardo wouldn't have expected. Rossi to play so awfully, so bad, because he was bad, mm. he was awful, and uh, that independently of, of, of D'Alessandro being tired or not, uh, because Alessandro was tired and there were some plays in which I think Gallardo saw or watched uh, that uh, uh, River played, uh, lost, lost some balls uh, into attack Leaving Boca the counter-attack when, when River was was, was, was winning, when uh, the normal thing is the other way around, for the other team to attack and you have the counter-attacks. And uh, the, the, the exo- uh, Alessandro was so exhausted, in my point of view, that that made uh, the team to be uh, to, to losing balls uh, in, in attack and, and Boca uh, going into the counter-attack. So it's it's hard to to judge him because of that. Yeah. Apart from that, if Atasha wouldn't have made that, that mistake, mm. I don't know. Of course, it's impossible to to know whether the result, uh, which would have been the result, but uh, it was a fatality because all all together the change, the change, the substitution, then that that mistake, which I think and I heard, I don't know if it, if this is true or not. That uh, Batasha was uh, afraid of Tevez because of his uh, repeated uh, kicks to the to the to the rivals and, oh. and, the, and the injuries he. Oh yeah, Sakelham and uh, one yes. of the goalkeepers as well. Un- Unsign of Mules. Yes, that's the one. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's interesting. Um, as I say, I'm, I'm now going to endeavour to, to sort of we're going to endeavour, I think, hopefully collectively, to try and. Um, Talk a little bit about Boca's performance as well, because yes. we're very aware that as uh, two, uh, well, one River sympathiser, myself, and, and one River fan, Andres, um, we don't want this to be uh, an entirely one-sided podcast. We, we, we do want to try and deal with, uh, with this from both points of view, uh, even though our uh, esteemed Bostero colleagues have, have neglected us this week. Um, so, from Boca's point of view... It was a very good, not just match, but weekend as well, because Estudiantes losing shortly after to San Martin, um, and a collection of other results, I think Newell's uh, dropping points against Tacheres as well, means that Boca are now top of the league. 
um, a position that they took with the win, and then they watched Estudiantes uh, lose to San Martín. Um, and it was the kind of performance, I think, that, you know, yeah, as we've just outlined, River made a lot of mistakes. The match at one point was, was River's to lose. Um, and my Bocca supporting uh, father-in-law um, said that he didn't watch the first sort of 50. He basically didn't watch the first half, uh, the second half, sorry, until um, he heard that Tebas had scored. Um, because he, he was convinced at half-time that River were going to score eight. <laughs> um they came back fantastically in the second half. They showed a lot of character. They, as we say, noticed River's mistakes and pounced on them mercilessly. Um, and it's a kind of something that we've seen really in, in increasingly in the last few weeks is that Boca look hungry and they look relentless and, and, and very, very good at punishing those mistakes in, in opponents. They, they've discovered something something's clicked in the attack. Not just in this match, but but in previous ones as well against Racing and San Lorenzo, um, they look an entirely different side. And even with Benedetto out here for the second game in a row, was it because he missed the, first, the previous one as well? And Walter Bull, as you said, has, has come in um, and he's scoring. When you know the beginning of the season, we were looking at Gustavo Bull going to Racing and Walter Bull going to Boca and being like, well, you know, Gustavo's sorry, not having gone to Racing because he, he he went a while ago, but. Walter has got a point to prove because he's, um, he's, he's stepping into a much bigger team than, than he was at before with no disrespect meant to Gimnasia. In, in some uh, point of view, it's uh, kind of, of, of uh, similar to, to, the, to what happened with to Lucas Alario when he went to River. Alario was uh, quickest, quicker in terms of how he got into the team and, and started to play mm-hmm. and, and to score because I think second third match uh, was his uh, in, in his second or third match he scored against Guarani for in the semi final of the Copa Libertadores and Bo was not so fast but he wasn't the, the 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 main player or the star at Gimnasia. No, exactly. The same as Alario at Colón that he, even he he even uh, was relegated with Colón mm. and. Came to River and, and and he started playing and scoring uh, almost immediately. Uh, so it's surprising, but well, it's good. It's a, a, a point for 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 Guillermo Barros Esqueloto who brought uh, to Boca or uh, got uh, signed uh, Walter Bow and Benedetto. And at first uh, it was like mm, we don't know whether Benedetto is for a player for Boca and Walter Bow Gimnasia. Well, they are showing that they were uh, players for, at least at this moment, that they are players for, for Boca. Uh, and of course, it's you, you have mistakes from the rival and then you have to take, take advantage of, the, of those mistakes because there is sometimes uh, the, 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 rival, the rival makes the, the mistakes and you, don't, you can't uh, convert that into goals or translate those mistakes into goals. And in this case, Boca was able to do it. In the, in the equalizer for, by Tevez, and then the yeah, third goal was uh, incredible. Yeah, the, the third goal yes. was a beautiful curler. I'm going to assume that most of our listeners sort of, you know, are going to be relatively interested in the Super Classico and therefore will have at least seen the goals on, on YouTube or something by now. Um, and the third one, as we said, was actually quite similar to, to Tevez's equalizer. I thought the, the breakaway from the long ball with Batasha rushing out. Um, Slightly more forgivable, perhaps, that Batasha was running out by that point because Mina, one of the centre backs, had been sent up front. Um, 
Are there any plus points for River? Maidana came back and didn't get injured, did he? Yes. So he's back, which is should shore up the defence in the long term, even though it wasn't fantastic uh, this time round. Um, that's about it, really. But obviously they have a, a, a chance for immediate revenge um, against the world, if not against Boca, uh, because on Thursday night um, is the Copa Argentina final in... San Juan, is it? No, it's in Cordoba. Oh, in Cordoba. Stadium. Oh, yeah, of course it is. Well done. Um, against Rosario Central. And we will be previewing that uh, a little bit later on the podcast. Um, now, though, let's talk about a few of the other matches at the weekend because that it wasn't the only... It was bizarrely... I mean, it still feels weird to say that the Super Classico was the most entertaining match of the weekend. Um, and San Antonio was and that, that isn't an insult to the rest of the weekend but there were several other high scoring matches and, and even one or two that weren't quite so high scoring but were interesting all the same um, and you're quite right San Lorenzo against Union um, was one of those uh, San Lorenzo taking the lead after half an hour Union working themselves back into it but San Lorenzo going 2-0 up early in the second half um, and then Union pulling it back to 2-1 San Lorenzo immediately making it th- uh, sorry no San Lorenzo went 3-0 up quite late. oh no they didn't no you're right sorry Yes, I'm misreading the times here. Union made, uh, pulled it back to 2-1 and then San Lorenzo made it 3-1 only for Union to hit back. It says there well, there's a two-minute difference, uh, yes, but it wasn't. Very, very I swear there was not two minutes between those goals. It felt like more like 30 seconds. Through, funnily enough, Guido Adela, who is the um, the young uh, Boca Juniors um, youth product who was sent to Juventus on loan for three or four years or something as yes, past the Cal- a big Tevez sum of deal, money. Yes. And has now been loaned from Juventus even though he's only on loan at Juventus to Union um, in what sounds to me very much like a case of triangulation but that's very much alleged and nothing can be proven but um, what did you make of that one? I mean I was thoroughly entertained by it Yes and San Lorenzo uh, <coughs> similar uh, working like, like Boca in terms of the strikers that are that they, they, they both strikers the one who is the perhaps the one who starts is starts the match and the one who comes into it uh, when the match has already started are scoring because Cauterucho and Blandi I think Blandi was one of the goal scorers and Cauterucho yeah. scored two Cauterucho scored twice yes. and Blandi scored the other yeah. so that's key for, for a team like San Lorenzo who is now a second in the table yeah. with Newell's no? Uh, or, or, no Estudiantes I sorry. think joint with Newell's but let me just bring it up now Estudiantes I think it's a second with, uh, with San Lorenzo but anyway it's I think it's key. Oh, yeah, right. Sorry, yeah. It's uh, San Lorenzo and That's key for me. In my, uh, what I think is that uh, have, have, to have that, those kind of strikers that come into the match and, and, and they score, well, in this case, made, that, made them win. Uh, so it's, I mm. think it's important. It is. Only on my, uh, for, for their own efforts, perhaps slightly unfortunate, but um, you know they're, they're playing a very strong team and also San Lorenzo fans. Uh, the victory on Saturday is not the only good news that you have this week because just today, just a few hours before we recorded, the um, club directors signed an order of purchase with Carrefour Supermarket, who certainly in Europe you'll, you'll have heard of if you're on, well, mainland Europe anyway, um, the French supermarket chain, um, to confirm and to sort of finally set in motion the process. Uh, for the return to Boedo. So San Lorenzo's stay at the Nuevo Gasometro, which has lasted for 
what, 30 years almost, um, there is now light at the end of that tunnel. They do still have the rather difficult task of raising enough money to buy to build the new stadium. Um, yes, don't know but as of the, today, it's confirmed. don't know if the San Lorenzo supporters or French listeners of Hanapol know the story about Carrefour with San Lorenzo. Uh, I don't remember the year or when you said 30 years that the San Lorenzo Stadium was closed and it was built. Uh, well, it was the old the the gasometro um, was closed down by the military government, so that would have been in about '82 or something, I think. And the new one, because they played. Obviously, they played the yes. home matches at Vélez, at River, I think at Boca, and various other places. Uh, the new one was opened in, oh, 93, so in fact, it's not 30 years. It took them a long time to build it. Um, yes, the actual stadium, yes, it was in 93, but I, I, I don't uh, remember exactly the date in which the old gasometro was closed mm. in order to the Carrefour supermarket. Be the, the old the gasometro was closed on the 2nd of December 1979. Yes, it was After a nil-nil draw against Boca, so, that, so San Lorenzo were playing their home games pretty much everywhere else for almost exactly 14 years because the first match at the Nuevo Gasometro was the 16th of December '93, um, and well, so that's been what 23 years, and it's going to be probably 25 or 26 by the time the new one gets opened. Um, but the uh, the Estadio Papa Francisco. The Pope Francis Stadium um, is going to become reality now in the, in the next two to three to four to five years. This is Argentina, so you have to give quite a broad window two, of construction. Two obvious name, right? Pardon? Two obvious name. It is a bit, yeah, but I can, I can sort of understand it. I mean, it, at least he's a fan. You know, if it was River or Boca or something replacing their stadiums and calling it the Pope Francis Stadium, then I think they were jumping on a bandwagon. But in this case, um, there's at least some justification <laughs> for it. Um, not very far away from where you live, in fact, the site, is yes. it? I mean, in La Plata, just a, a yes. well, 10, 10 or 12 blocks down, I suppose, blocks, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, that's going to be an emotional day, and it's just got a tiny bit closer today, so congratulations, San Lorenzo fans who are listening. Um, the other big five teams were Racing and Independiente, of course. Well, not just were, but continued to be. Um, Racing managed to really... They have been very much racing in, in the last couple of weeks because if you remember they thrashed Independiente uh, two or three matches ago, three uh, 0 in the Clásico de Avellaneda, and then they got tonked by Boca last weekend, and then this weekend just gone they lost two 0 at home to Olimpo. Um, that's incredible, <coughs> and that shows how what what is I think what defines full Argentine football is the matches. Uh, Played by Racing and by Independiente because after Racing winning Independiente, Independiente won two matches and Racing lost those two matches. Mm. It's incredible how, how it uh, made uh, those teams to react. It, well, if you put the thing, of course, it's not logical. Um, no football, football is no logic, lo, log, no logic, sorry. Mm. But Argentine football is even less logic. Uh, logic. So it, it's Hard to believe how Racing lost those two matches and Independiente won them. Uh, now Independiente is, is uh, uh, quite close to, to the leadership because Estudiantes lost against uh, San Martín San Juan and, and got a draw the other match. So it's mm. yes, uh, uh, 
really, really hard to believe. Independiente have actually gone a point ahead of Racing uh, in the table <laughs> with with these results. Um, they're up to seventh, and they are six points behind Boca. Um, so, sort of on the fringes of the title race. You're quite right. Couldn't um, catch that match. Yeah, the Racing match, but I I mm. I fancy well, not not a very good match for me. Uh, Played by them because uh, Olimpo was, it wasn't a team uh, that you would imagine to win a, a match like this. No, uh, Olimpo are a fairly limited team. They're, I mean, 19th with this win. Um, it wasn't... With the uh, the, co- the coach of Olimpo, uh, Christian Diaz, was... Uh, I don't know if he resigned or he was uh, fired. He well, he resigned because of pressure from the Barra Brava. Yeah as Peter and I outlined um, last week, and he's been replaced uh, for the weekend, just gone anyway, by Juan Barabas, who's the caretaker boss. Um, but, yeah, it was... Uh, he, he said that the Barra were coming in and, um, you know, just joining him and sitting next to him while the team were training and smoking weed yes. while sitting right next to him and, and very much sort of trying to apply pressure. And in his words, they wanted the team to lose. Um and they got what they wanted uh, with, with you know the way that, that, that they were making everything impossible to do. Um, lo and behold, he goes. Maybe you know whether the batter were trying to lay a bed for him or not. Um, and Olimpo get a result like this, so it's, it is remarkable from that point of view. Um, it's also bizarre how Racing's attack has, has sort of stagnated somewhat really recently. Um, yes. Because the the Independiente game, I, I said this last week as well, but against Independiente, it looked like the kind of result that could uh, settle Ricardo Cielinski into the club properly, and you know, give him comfort, and and he could kick on from there. And precisely the opposite thing has happened. Um, Independiente, meanwhile, after that one nil win the previous weekend against a River Reserve team, um, got a not particularly impressive, but still a two nil win but- away to Colón. Um, I don't know what, what you have talked with Peter about that match, but I watched it and I, what I watched was independent players that couldn't get their legs up from the floor mm. because they were afraid of losing against River Kids and because the, the, the uh, environment or everything at Independiente wasn't good, even the supporters, well, this was last week, so I... I I think you have talked about this, but the but the supporters received the players with eggs, throwing yes. eggs to the to the to the bus that took the, the players. So the the all 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 about Atenebende was bad or was not good, and against River it was a very delicate match, mm. and now they won and that match and this one and they are near to the top. So uh, supporters uh, singing Milito no se toca or Milito no se va, which Milito isn't going out, is, isn't leaving Independiente. Mm. They were supporting or they were they were standing Milito and blaming the players for the moment of Independiente. And now they are five points or so to the, to the top. Yeah. Um, at the same time as that match, the league leaders going into last weekend... Uh, as we mentioned, allowed that lead to slip. They went 3-0 down. Oh, they didn't, sorry. They went 2-0 down uh, before half-time. Um, Estudiantes away to San Martín, who... I mean, it's a long trip to make, but San Martín are uh, not the best team in the league, even with this win. They're only up in 23rd. Um, 
it was a really, really strange performance from Estudiantes because it wasn't even a case of you know San Martín having two shots and them both flying in um, and getting a lucky day. The, what I managed to see of that game, and it was the one that I was concentrating most on, but I was also finishing off writing the, the, the Buenos Aires pub quiz, which I gave on Monday night. Um, so I wasn't fully concentrating on it. But what I did manage to see, San Martín sort of you know, deserved the half-time lead for the effort that they'd put in. Um, Estudiantes pulled one back through a Lucas Piatri header um, with about 20 minutes to go and then almost immediately Emmanuel Denning put San Martin back into the lead um, with a header of his own 3-1 and Piatri eventually sort of scored another one with about I mean literally with about 3 or 4 seconds left um, so it wasn't you know 3-2 really makes it sound closer than it was it, it, was, it was a remarkable win for San Martin to get and a is it three straight games now that Estudiantes have um, have dropped points in? Let me just check this because they've uh, they had Tacheres before, and the and previous River. game before that was Banfield when they lost the first. Ah uh, yes, and River so draw. They oh you're right yeah they did didn't they? So ah no sorry right so they they drew with River then they beat Colón, oh, okay. and then they lost to Banfield, drew with Tacheres, lost to San Martín. So having dropped four points in their opening ten matches they've now dropped well, seven points in their in the last three um, and that is why they're now joint second with San Lorenzo and, and a point behind um, and for that reason looking at the table right now you would have to say that you know Boca and San Lorenzo both look like far more likely title winners because the momentum is with them although yes. that momentum is about it's, to be- yes, get it's halted by the, the summer break some, something that must worry uh, Vivas and of course the players because they lost against a team that perhaps I don't know whether, whether uh, who they will play against uh, next weekend but they can play against Aldosivi and lose and they, and they have lost they have beaten Estudiantes uh, they're playing Defensa Justicia oh, sorry you mean San Martín yes sorry uh, Estudiantes are playing Defensa Justicia so let me just bring up who San Martín are playing um, San Martín this coming weekend are playing Away to Newell's old boys. Well, they can lose that match because Newell's, uh, well, even not being brilliant this uh, last match, uh, could win perfect. They could win. They could win. Sorry, they could win uh, San Martin. So it, that that showed the regular uh, uh, form of, of most of the teams. And well, Estudiantes now is at that point. Mm. Absolutely. Um, Elsewhere over the weekend, uh, Rosario Central against Lanús on Sunday evening was was very entertaining. Obviously, it was a Central reserve team. They were keeping their first team um, entirely rested for the uh, Copa Argentina final, with the possible exception of Damian Musto, who was playing, um, although he's not been playing quite as regularly for the first team this season um, as, as he was the last couple of years. They actually took the lead against a full-strength Lanús team very early in the second half, um, and then Lanús came back and scored twice in the space of like a minute and a half um, around the hour mark to end up with a 2-1 win which I think on the balance of play they deserve but that was another game that even though it was nil-nil at half time it was pretty entertaining it was it was end-to-end um, and while Central's reserves um, you know were very much the reserves they had an idea of, of, of how Codet wanted them to play it wasn't like they, they looked like they hadn't been introduced before um, and it was two teams who, who were both trying to go for it so it was really um, it was a very entertaining game in its own right as well 
Um, we can say that River was bigger loser than Rosario Central because both both teams lost their their matches before playing the, the final of the Copa Argentina. Mm. But Rosario Central uh, put all of the players were substitutes or were uh, not uh, the the most important players. And River played 60 minutes with the the, the yes the, the starting lineup that is regularly the starting lineup. Perhaps because they have to play, have to play against Boca, of course, not uh, to <coughs> say anything bad from the other teams, but of course, it, meaning that Boca it was the the rival. Made Gallardo put the the starting lineup that usually puts, and, and so that means perhaps a physical advantage for for Rosario Central for tomorrow. It might do. Um, and the other game that I wanted to. Uh point out in particular was Tacheres 1-1 draw against Newell's Old Boys because it keeps Tacheres magnificent uh, recent run of form going. I think it's now eight games is it that they haven't lost in? Let me just check this quickly. Um, after one, two, bloody hell, stop scrolling. After one, two, three, four, five yep, eight games um, in a row without defeat. Five wins followed by three consecutive draws but the last two of those draws have been against Estudiantes and against Newell's um, who, before this weekend just gone, were first and second in the in the table. Um, so very, very good stuff from Tacheres indeed. And another really interesting game. Both teams were um, looking for the win. Ignacio Goko scored an own goal, uh, which put Tacheres 1-0 up about halfway through the first half. And it looked very much as if Tacheres were going to hold on to the win, really. They, they were, by and large, um, keeping the all's not quite at bay maybe but comfortably enough out until Joel Amoroso um, popped up with 10 seconds left and, and headed in an equaliser so it was a you know must have felt like a kick in the teeth for Tacheres but even with that equaliser their unbeaten record um, is still very much alive and so I mean they're, they're on the for me on the verge of, of securing safety uh, because they've got 20 points now from 13 games um, I said this last week I said it the week before I think one or two more wins is very very probably going to be enough to all but I mean mathematically it obviously won't be but but to virtually assure them of, of Primera football for the 2017-18 season um, for me and a, a win in this game if they, if they held on 10 seconds longer um, and managed to get a 1-0 win over Newell's then they would now be on 22 points with goal difference of plus if it had been a 1-0 win they'd have a goal difference of plus 6 and that would put them 7th ahead of Independiente on goal difference and we would have to be talking about them being in the title race very very fine margins um, who knows what's going to happen this weekend but don't entirely rule it out I would say yes. uh, for the, the sort of not quite halfway point of the season um Elsewhere, we've obviously given you the scores all all, all over as well uh, already, but Venice getting an easy win over Atletico de Rafaela uh, because Atletico are terrible, but a, a, an important one in the relegation battle. Tempele, similarly, a, a big win for them against Godoy Cruz. Um, and Atletico Tucumán against Quilmes looks like the kind of result that, that could secure Atletico Tucumán. Um, Defensive Justicia against Arsenal, though, is, is the one that stands out, really, in, in the relegation table for me as being the most likely to affect things in a big way uh, because it puts Defensa 
up into 22nd in the relegation table and Arsenal back down um, after, if I remember rightly, a couple of fairly promising performances and results recently, um, back down to 25th. So Arsenal once again are hovering just a couple of positions above the relegation battle. If clubs like Sarmiento and Tempele, who are both dividing their points by fewer matches, can get their acts together, it could cause Arsenal and Quilmes and Oracan some serious problems just about is, that relegation. Is there a team that hasn't won a single match? Arsenal. Uh, let me just check back to the league table. I apologise for the beeping car that you can hear in the background. It's just, they are the only team who've not won a match, yes, Arsenal. Um, Belgrano, Aldo, Sibi and Huracan have all only won once. Arsenal have not won at all. They have five points because they've managed five draws from 13 matches. Well, not very impressive, is it? It's a picture of what is uh, right <coughs> now the team that uh, Lucas Bernardi isn't find, can't find a solution or something for the team to at least win a, a one nil match. Because uh, those uh, uh, teams is, uh, are, are the ones that perhaps win one nil in the last minute and, and well, they, they uh, of course, release a, a very big pressure that they have and And now they are uh, yes, regulation zone, last comfortably last in the in the table. Uh, but they don't feel like they will get a victory soon. Playing like this, of course. No. Uh, and in fact let's just have a very quick look at Arsenal's upcoming fixtures. Um, to see whether we can see any kind of victory on the horizon given the teams that they've been failing to beat so far. Um This weekend they're at home to Beves, so that's a possible, but I, I, would, I wouldn't necessarily fancy Beves from the off against very many teams, but Arsenal would be one of them. And then in the new year they have, I mean, I guess that run of three games looks about as kind as they're going to get, although two of them are away. They're away to Patronato, at home to Atletico de Rafaela, away to Aldo Sibi. They're going to need if they're going to have any chance whatsoever of, of uh, putting together the kind of run that might see them stay up, for me, Arsenal are going to need to claim nine points from those three games because after that, they've got... They visit Estudiantes, uh, home to Newells. Okay, then they get a small amount of respite away to Huracan at home to Independiente. They've still got to play Boca later on in the season. They still have to play Lanús. Um, and the run-in isn't the sort of... the most difficult three teams in the country to beat... But I think for Arsenal, it's going to be asking a lot. Their, their last three games are Godoy Cruz, Quilmes and Tigre. Um, in the form that they're in, I mean, you're exactly right. At the moment, it's difficult to look at that last half of the um, and of, they, of the season's fixtures and think that they're going to beat anybody playing. And they will continue they playing matches that are dangerous in terms, or, or they're key in terms of their relegation battle. Mm. So it's, yes... Uh, Next matches are crucial for them. Exactly. Um, with that, we're going to take a half-time break. If I can see how long we've been recording for already, I can just about. It's getting a bit dark in here, so I'm going to switch the light on and refill our glasses. And we will be back to preview the Copa Argentina final and answer some questions from all of you, from our very favourite listeners. So don't go anywhere.
Argentina final uh, is a match that is very frequently taking place while we record, um, when we record in weeks when it's being played. Uh, the last few years we've tended to be recording whilst it's on. Today we're actually able to preview it properly as we always do want to um, because for some reason it's being played on Thursday this week instead of Wednesday. Don't know why, but we are thankful um, to the AFA for doing that. River played against Rosario Central. Um, and one of the questions, in fact, I'm going to skip slightly ahead and ask a listener's question at this stage because one of the ones that we have had is... Um, where is it? Somebody tweeted it into all of us earlier. Ah, there it is. From Bob Waite, who asks, How big a competition is the Copa Argentina? And is Eduardo Caudet, Rosario Central's manager, under any pressure? So the first of those questions, how big a competition is it, is kind of a tricky one to answer with a single answer, if that makes sense. The Ultimately, um, the ultimate answer is, is that for River, it's not as big a competition as it is for Central, if that makes sense. Um, and yet they both want... And I don't know about need. In fact, I, I think it, well, it's it, it, it's, more, it's more important for River to win the final, in spite of the fact, and like in terms of, I mean, the institution and, and what the fans expect, in spite of the fact that River's fans care less about the Copa Argentina than Central's will do. Um, the reason for this is that, as we mentioned several times in the last few weeks, the Copa Argentina is a ticket to the Copa Libertadores next year. Uh, it's the last one that either of these clubs can can get, so only one of them will be playing in next year's Libertadores. Um, and obviously for River, there's an enormous amount of pressure. There is, for all of the big five, and particularly for Boca and River, um, there's there's pressure this on, on this idea of you know competing in the Copa Libertadores. Never mind winning it. You, being involved is something that the fans expect year in, year out. Um... And so there's a kind of weird thing where the trophy itself would undoubtedly mean more to Central, and yet winning the match is going to mean more to River, probably. Um, but Central, I think, of, of you know their situation adds some intrigue to this, and, and it's the kind of thing that I think, if the Copa Argentina were better organised and, and better marketed, and uh, uh, and it, it, if more Argentines cared about it, really, then it, it would be the kind of situation, the one that Central are in. Um, which could help to give it some, some narrative and, and, and some kind of interest because Central have been in the last two finals before before this one as well. This is the third final. And third final in a row and they've lost the previous two. They are the only the second club to make it to three Copa Argentina finals. The previous club to do that were Boca who were in the first ever Copa Argentina final back in 1969 um, and have made it into two of the modern um, Copas since it was uh, reborn in 20. 11-2012 um, Boca have won all of them Central have lost their first two so they could make it a hat-trick of defeats um, tomorrow it's River's first Copa Argentina final Andres as a River fan how much do you care about winning the cup? As you have said it's the most important thing is to qualify to the Copa Libertadores uh, because it's a lot of money for the, for the club and the team playing a, an important competition with of course this is something that supporters will say that Boca won't play it and, and if River does it will be something to 
say to them, yes, you you won you won the Super Classico, but we are in the Copa Libertadores and you aren't. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's important, as I said, because of the the money and the competition itself, because it's Copa Libertadores, not a, not a, any any cup, any competition, and it will make. I think that the other part of the question of the <coughs> listener was for Coudet if he had any pressure. Yeah. I think that any of the coaches could leave their teams because for Coudet, Coudet have said in press conference that winning the cup, the, the Copa Argentina will make these players that have been playing in a relatively good level for two years mm. to uh, finish it with a t- with a title. If not, they won't be. Uh, of course, for media and supporters, good enough. And for River, uh, with uh, if they won't, they, they don't, they doesn't want the Copa the Copa Argentina, who will uh, get the <coughs> make them qualify to the Copa Libertadores. Mm. There is something uh, that it was said in the also in the media that for Gallardo could be their moment of saying goodbye. Uh, because uh, it would mean mean him mean for him to play only uh, the, the the Argentine uh, tournament for the next six, six months and being far away from the leadership, which is will be the first time that happens to Ashardo because all the time he he was with something to play for in in international cups and, and important competitions mm. and in this case to play only for the, the Argentine tournament and. Being as I said, far from the from the top, uh, would, would could possibly make him say, "Well, I, this is it, and I'm I'm leaving." Nothing uh, or no one uh, could say this for sure, but that's a possibility. So it's important, very important. More, I I don't know if more for Central than for River. For Central is it is important because what you have mentioned of the third fi- final in a row. But for River, because of the Copertadores uh, obsession that always is there. Yeah. Um, regarding whether Caldet's under pressure, I'm not sure about pressure as such, but it is, as Andres hinted, um, sort of half expected that this might be his last match. Uh, or, I mean, it lasts but one match. You, you would assume that he's still going to be in charge at the weekend um, for the league game as well. Um and that that is because apparently he is wanted by Peñarol in Uruguay. Um, Central, of course, uh, uh, Caldet's first club as manager. He's been in charge now for two years. Similar to Gallardo. Similar a bit, maybe, yeah. And River. Um, and, yeah, so Peñarol would, I guess, you know, obviously we're talking about the Uruguayan League. It, it's less visible than the Argentine League, and so to a lot of people, I guess, outside South America, it would sound like a surprising move for a manager who has been promising who's, who's taken Central to a title challenge into already into two possibly one um, Copa Argentina finals and now into another one um, and who's led them by and large very very impressively um, but Peñarol of course would be you know virtually annual participation uh, certainly next year guaranteed participation in, in the Copa Libertadores because I think they've won the Uruguayan Championship just recently haven't they um and, and would be a step up in terms of, of club size at the same time as perhaps a step down in terms of the visibility of the job if he ever wants to sort of get a move onwards to, to Europe, um, if he's thinking along those lines. So it might sound like a surprising move, but at the same time might make a certain amount of sense. 
both coaches coaches have been linked <coughs> to different players uh, to different teams sorry um, to, to Peñarol and Gallardo to Atletico de Madrid because mm -hmm. it, it was also rumor which is for now is smoke only well, can't say it's, it's something true or something that is it will happen but uh, if um, Diego Simeone leaves Atletico de Madrid to go uh, for and, and be the coach of Inter de Milan, another team in which who in who which he feels identified, uh -huh. will that uh, Atletico de Madrid uh, directors uh, is thinking on Gallardo to replace him? Oh, that's interesting. That is that it, uh, another thing that that was said and we can say is like that, 100 percent. But uh, in, in case River loses and Diego Simeone leaves Atletico de Madrid, that could be another the, the destiny of, of Gallardo. Indeed. Um, as a final, I'm quite looking forward to it. I mean, as someone who uh, we were sort of talking before the game, uh, before the recording, sorry, Andres, and um, you know, and, and, and as I always say when it comes to this, I'm a sympathizer of River rather than a fan. Um, I say that because you know when when River lose, I sort of I obviously won't be in as good a mood as I am if they win. Um, but it doesn't sort of hurt me inside. It's not like I've grown up supporting the the club since I was a small kid, um, and so I do sort of realise that I, I don't pretend that I'm as passionate as you say about them. Um, so I, I'm from I'm, I'm sort of I'm quite looking forward to it. Really, I think it's going to be a decent game. They're, they're two teams who like to attack two teams who've been a little bit out of sorts in the league but have saved their best football so far for the Copa Argentina as well this season um, and I think that, that, that that's going to make it into hopefully a, a very attractive game um, I'm looking forward to it me too and what gives me some hope is that as I said for Boca and San Lorenzo that both strikers are in good form last uh, match even losing was also good news in, in, in that uh, aspect for River because both Dirusi uh, and Alario especially Alario who is mm. I, I, he wasn't in, a, the, in his best best form uh, and even he was he, he was told that he was not uh, happy when he had to leave the pitch and, and things that uh, well has have been uh, said in, in last weeks uh, for him to score and as well as Drusic who has been scoring more goals yeah. than, than Alario uh, in the last matches is a good news for for, he, for them of course for, for Gallardo for their confidence especially so it's yes it will be very very hard and tricky match because we have to remember uh, something we have already said or you have said that Rosario Central isn't as good as uh, in Copa Argentina, in the in tournament, he's not as good as uh, he has been playing for the for the Copa. Mm. They showed this as Boca because they surprised Boca. I think in the first half, uh, defeating them for two 0 Then when Boca got the the two one, the the, the, the that goal, uh, late goal by by Benedetto. But it, it will be a tricky match for that because of that because uh, it will be a, a match that is totally different from the tournament and will have to be very very details oriented yeah uh, in terms of team news we can't give you very much detail of course because we're recording this on Wednesday evening 
um, and the game is on Thursday evening. It's more than 24 hours away still as we're speaking. Um, but it looks as if Central have got a couple of doubts. Um, Damian Musto, as I said, played the weekend just gone, was the only person who might be a starter um, and, and, and played against uh, Lanús at the weekend. He might come back in. Um, Christian Michagra and Jose Luis Fernandez have both got muscular problems, so they're not confirmed, um, but also not ruled out just yet. Um, but it looks as if Central will be sticking with their sort of fairly um, consolidated and, and well-established 4-3-1-2 with Teo Gutierrez and Marco Ruben, two former River Plate strikers, um, up front. So that's, that adds some intrigue to it. And of course, it's going to be one of Giovanni Lo Celso's last games for the club as well, isn't it? Yes. Um, in the number 10 role. River look almost certain to go with the same starting 11 that started against Boca on Sunday, with one exception, which would be that... Um, what's his first name? Lucas. Thank you. Lucas Martinez Cuarta, uh, the young centre-back who was quite impressive in, in recent weeks, um, is going to come in, probably, to replace Arturo Mina... Uh, who was dreadful against Boca. Um, if you saw the goals and were noticing lots of defensive mistakes, as I mentioned, uh, for three of Boca's four goals, uh, then it was probably Mina making those mistakes. Um, so it looks highly likely that the centre-back pairing for River is going to be Jonathan Maidana, who of course came back from injury against Boca, um, and Lucas Martinez Cuarta at the back, but that's still to be confirmed. The rest of the team is likely to be the same, so uh, Luis Oliveira keeps his place at left-back by the look of it, uh, having made... Was it his debut on Sunday against Boca? No, he has already played... Uh, he played against Independiente and he has already played... Not I, I don't know if this tournament, but has already played some matches. Ah, OK. If I am not wrong against Atletico Rafaela mm-hmm. or in this tournament, but I'm not so sure, uh, 100% sure, but uh, yes, he has already played, of course, less than 10 matches, yeah. but he has already played... Um, so it, it looks as if it'll be the same 11 you would assume that Gasharado isn't going to make the same substitutions at least quite as early in the match anyway uh, this time round but we shall see as we say it should be an interesting game and now to move on to the rest of the listeners questions Darren Paul says can we have a racing transfer update please bloody hell Darren every single week uh, what is truth what is red lies will Awed leave please friends um, he also says also I read that Gustavo Ball wants to join Walter Ball in Boca surely Walter is destined to be scooped up by Brazilian or European sides um, where to start with all of those the first are we can't give you very many racing transfer updates we can't give you very many transfer updates for anybody in the Argentine league because the transfer window is not open yet um, until then don't listen to anything I, I hate transfer rumours so I don't tend to pay any attention until the deals are actually signed um, but it does look as if the one thing that we can do, and we know that this isn't a racing player, but from what I was seeing on Twitter, just as we started recording, um, it looks as if Carlos Tevez's move to Shanghai Shenhua is all but confirmed. Um, there were tweets going around saying that according to Tevez's contract, if he breaks the contract, Boca will be due $20 million in compensation which is a remarkable deal for them if it goes ahead. Um, but back to Darren's questions on Racing. I think that a bull-bull strike duo for either Racing or Boca or any other club um, would certainly be an interesting one to watch. But they're quite, 
quite similar players, so I don't know how well they play in tandem. But anyway, um, whether Gustavo wants to join Welter or whether he wants to replace him, not sure. I would think that either of them, though, um, would be, you know, as you say, I mean, as Darren says, Welter should be destined to be scooped up by a Brazilian or European side. I would expect the same for Gustavo, frankly. Um, I'd be surprised if Gustavo's next move is to another Argentine club given that he is already at one of the big five and, and you know it's not as if people yeah, haven't been noticing him if Vogar receives a, a lot of money from Tevez move I don't I don't say they can't uh, oh, that's true yeah put 8 million dollars which is their uh, release clause mm-hmm. to sign Gustavo Bo and and make his dream come true to play with Walter and I think Walter it's also his dream to play with Gustavo and playing for Boca which is Apparently, Walter is a supporter of Boca. Well, all of the team, all of the players that go to a team, from a small team to a bigger one, say that they are the supporters of that team. Yeah. But uh, uh, yes, it will be big move. <coughs> in, even though that Gustavo is not in that spectacular form that used to be, especially last year, for example, uh, and he ha- he wants to leave Racing. It's now it's clear, or it looks it's like it's clear, because he uh, has been fighting with uh, uh, with Victor, Victor Blanco, the president, mm. uh, because of the contract, assumes and, and the money and those and, and, and those kind of things. So uh, I think he wants to leave, and if he has to, he is the possibility to play with his brother. Well, much better. Okay, thank you for a more informed view than I had as somebody who, as I say, tends to ignore. Uh, the transfer talk until it's actually sealed thanks for that Andres Uh, Roberto Rojas asks a related question really how big of a loss will Almiron be for Lanús and Romero for Racing if the latter goes to MLS Uh, Almiron we had a question about him last week in fact and Peter and I both said big loss um, for Lanús but one that the team as a whole have the options to to cover um Really, I mean, he he is the star player, but they have players coming in like Fernando Barrientos, for instance, who's similar kind of age um, and can do something like the same job from midfield. Obviously, not to as high a standard as Almiron was doing it in the first half of the year, uh, but the team as a whole can then adapt to that. And if if they can, um, you know, change up their game plan somewhat to to play to Barrientos' strengths, um, then it doesn't have to be a, a big loss for them. And Romero for Racing, in fact, Darren uh, very helpfully tweets in and, and gives basically the answer that I was going to give, which is that Romero would be a big loss, but the Racing have players ready to step up. Step up. Um, so, I mean, similar, really. They're, they're going to have to change it round. Romero is undoubtedly the star of the current team. Um, you know, with, with apologies to Lisandro Lopez in particular, who's the fan favourite. Um, but they're going to get money for him. And yes, there is a, 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 perhaps I think it's a big difference or important difference, which is that Almiron was a star in a, in a team that became champions, like mm-hmm. Lanús. Of course, now it's far away. It, it it looks or it sounds far away because it was in the middle of the year, and now we are December, and, and we we tend to forget easily about the teams that became champions in the past. But Almiron was key for the title and. Well, Racing hasn't won any, any title with Romero, or it was a 
he was at the team when Racing won 2014 the final I torneo final I was. I think he was, but let me, just, let me just Google it and uh, check that. I don't remember that, but I, I don't think he was in Paraguay still when they did that. Yes, I don't, I don't see him or I don't remember him as being the in the team and of, apart from that to be the one Let's of the. He signed for Racing in. It doesn't say which month, but in 2015, so, yeah, that so means he joined Racing after yes. the title. Yes, well, I think that is important <coughs> to, to say. Uh, of course, Romero is a big, great player and he's very good for Racing even, but that's a difference for me, which is Almiron was part of the title for Lanús and, and Romero couldn't win anything uh, for Racing. So in, in terms of the importance of each player, each for the teams mm, indeed uh, we have a question from uh, oh hang on a second I've skipped over a couple scrolling down a bit Tariq Al-Haida who asks I'm finishing up Jonathan Wilson's Angels with Dirty Faces which is glorious can you recommend any other books about Argentine soccer to which the answer is if you read Spanish then no we can't recommend you any because we'll be here for about five hours because there isn't anything at all like Angels with Dirty Faces. There are half a million books um, which are all far more specific. Things like an entire history of left-backs who've played for the national team. An entire history of left-sided centre-backs who've played for the national team and so on. Alejandro Fabri's ones are very good. Um, yes. As a general introduction, there's one called... Oh, bloody hell, I can't see it on my... Um, I'm trying to remember what the title is. It's something about team colours or something. Um, but which is about a history of, of the uh, most of the clubs in the Greater Buenos Aires region and in the metropolitan region, so in La Plata and, and Rosario. Um, and he does a couple of others as well. Historias Negras is Alejandro Fabri, yes. I've not read those ones, but uh, they're supposed to be good as well. Then there is Tales of Football that I, I don't remember. If you mentioned Fontana Rosa. I did. I mentioned yes. that. Um, okay. And in Year English, it's, ago, yeah. it's fantastic. In, in English, it's uh, Joel Richards, or not? Well, Joel's book is is which River is on River uh, is due out any money any any month now, but we've been saying that for the last couple of years. So uh, tweet Joel and ask him. Um, but in terms of a sort of uh, an overview, that that there isn't really um, anything else on Argentine football, particularly in English. Um, my normal response is always to say, check out um, David Goldblatt's The Ball is Round, um, which is obviously about global football and, and has a lot of chapters on the South American game um, generally. And there's also a book by... can't remember the name of the... Um, author, Camp, Campo, Campo Mar or something, I think a Uruguayan writer um, who wrote a book called Golasso, which came out a year or so ago, which is... Very, very broad brushstrokes, um, but it's quite a good sort of primer on South American football and as a whole. There is again, another on one football. by Andres Burgo. It's the same name like me, but uh-huh. it's not me. Uh, who was who uh, wrote a book about the Argentina against England 1986 match? Mm-hmm. Of course, in Spanish. Oh, but that's another good one. In fact, you've just reminded yes. me that we have a friend of Handapod, Neil Clack. Um, who wrote a book about the Argentina-England rivalry um, in English with a bunch of interviews with with Argentina players written from the Argentine perspective, even though it was in English, uh, while he was living down here, um, which is called Animals. It's a very sort of Sun Headline-style title, 
which Neil, when he was down here, actually told me that uh, he wasn't too happy with the title. Um, but the book itself is well worth digging into, so that's another good one. Um, moving on, Tom Robinson says, I see Guillermo Brown are going well in La Bay. What are the chances of them getting promoted? Well, Tom, as you say, they're going well. Um, I've not seen very much of the second division so far this season, although, funnily enough, we're watching one of the games right now. Uh, we've got Argentinos versus Nueva Chicago on the TV because there was no other live football to watch while we were recording. Um, Guillermo Brown are four points clear at the top with what looks like a game in hand at the moment on this live table I'm looking at. But it's actually because... Argentinos are playing at the moment and therefore are showing up as having already played this game. Um, so if Argentinos were to win this, let's say it's currently nil-nil, but you can add two points to that, so two points clear. Um, but it's the top two who go up, of course, in the B. So the direct comparison is that Guillermo Brown are currently seven points clear of third place Chacarita. Um, and then another two points back to Instituto. And the moment is looking promising for them. Um, but as I say, I've not been paying too much attention to the B this season. So Andres, perhaps next year we will pay more because uh, there will be, uh, of course, no free Argentine first division mm. football, and I assume that National B will be free. Will continue to be well free because there is uh, not all the matches uh, on, on TV, but we perhaps pay more attention because of that. Possibly. I, I might start paying a bit more attention when we get back down to 20 teams in the Primera and I can actually do something else with my weekend yes. if I need to as well. Um, but at the moment, we apologise for a rather vague um, answer to this. Yes. Uh, Tom's other question is, if Gustavo Bull is the Pantera or Panther, what is Walter Bull? Has he got a nickname? Little Panther, I know. Panterita? No. <laughs> Let's Google and see. I mean, most of them have nicknames already, so um, we're not going to be making one up for you. But let me see what Walter Ball's apodo is. It says here that, according to Wikipedia, which actually has this for Argentine players, if you go in the Spanish one, there's none listed there. Wow, maybe we should make one up. But I think we should probably ask Dan. Let's, let's tweet English Dan and ask him at the end of recording. Um, Matt McGinn... Uh, my friend, who I've met up with a couple of times while he's been here, says to Tom regarding Guillermo Brown, in fact, he's very kindly chipped in. He says he's seen them twice live. They look strong, very organised and quick on the break. Manager visually and tactically Cholo-esque. Um, so thank you very much indeed for that uh, response, Matt, if you're listening. Uh, you've saved our bacon to an extent there. Um, then we get to Bob Waite's questions about the Copa Argentina and Calder, which we already answered. Liam Kelly finally has just sent these in on time. He's no relation to me. And he says, did we actually watch a decent Super Classico? Yeah. Yes. Lots of defensive mistakes, but it was entertaining. Did Gachardo take off D'Alessandro too early? Definitely, for me. Um, and he says, will Dale be staying until the summer or winter in Argentina after Inter's tragedy relegation? To which the answer is... Depends on D'Alessandro, depends on Inter's president, who I believe has just changed. It's a new one now, it's not the one... But they, they want the, uh, either the, the coach and the, and the president want him back at Inter, and they say that they will make everything possible to, for him to, to be at Porto Alegre, mm. and the way he, he said goodbye to the people... 
in, in the monumental it looks like he will live he said he, he uh, of course uh, grabbed the 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 escudo the uh, yeah the badge the badge yeah, the t-shirt and uh, took uh, applauded the people and people of course also was uh, was a kind of ovation for him uh, and he discussed with Guillermo Barrasquelotto because he was a bit uh, delayed to 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 get off the <coughs> the pitch and and he told Guillermo come on it's my last match yeah. so and there were 32 minutes to go it's not as if he was sub with a minute left and was taking it just to get off but well Guillermo Barrasquelotto is a is a, an eternal crying <laughs> um, and yes uh, also regarding Liam's comment about Inter's tragedy and inverted commas relegation I'd just like to say fuck Internacional I'm delighted that they got relegated <laughs> after the previous president came out with that our own personal tragedy bollocks in referring to relegation right after the Chapecoense plane crash um, I don't know about the rest of Inter's fans they, they seem like nice people I was on a plane in fact uh with them a few years ago was it Inter? it must have been Inter yeah to the um, from here stopped in Brazil and then um, was they, they were heading up towards the uh, the Club World Cup um, and they all seemed fantastic people I got chatting to a couple of them at one point um, but the president got what he deserved in my opinion with that comment and uh, Liam also replying to uh, the earlier question about uh, from Bob about the Copa Argentina saying that he would say that Gasharlo is under more pressure to win on Thursday and get into the Copa Libertadores because the league's a write-off I think yeah by and large I, th- I think we both agree with that really Caldet's not yes. quite under so much pressure he is arguably the manager who would like to win the Copa more for the Copa itself um, but yeah the Libertadores does add that extra aspect to it um, we're now going to play some theme music and when we come back we're going to have Fittingly, I think, given that we're downing the very last of the uh, Fernet, which he so generously paid for at the start of the season, we're going to have Mystic John Gagliardi's predictions for the weekend to come. So, Mystic John's predictions, and I do thank him for sending these in because I completely forgot to uh, ask for any on Twitter as usual um, and he saved my bacon by, by emailing me a few hours ago um, uh, as follows he's going for Tacheres to beat Huracan in Parque Patricios a draw between Godoy Cruz and Gimnasia in Junín he thinks that Sarmiento will get a home win against Aldo Sibi he's going for a draw between Estudiantes and Defensa y Justicia an Union win home to Racing um, he's going for Patronato to get an away win against Atletico de Rafaela Independiente to get a home win against Banfield Belgrano against Rosario Central and Lanús against San Lorenzo he's going for two draws in those ones he's predicting that Vélez Sarsfield will get a win in Sarandí against Arsenal and then a bunch of home wins Boca Juniors to beat Colón in La Bombonera Newell's Old Boys to beat San Martín de San Juan in El Coloso de la Par- del Parque and Olimpo to beat River Plate in whatever Olimpo Stadium's called. Uh, Kilmes. Carminati. Carminati, thank you very much. Um, in, in that one. Uh, Kilmes against 
temporarily in the Estadio Centenario. He's going for a draw. And in the Monumental de Victoria, he's going for Tigre to get a home win against Atlético de Tucumán. Thank you very much for sending those in, John. Any that you think are particularly interesting predictions? I, I think... I know that they've dropped points now for three games in a row, so it shouldn't really look interesting, but Estudiantes against Defensa Justicia draw looks potentially brave yes. if you ignore the form book, I guess, because, you know, you still sort of think at any point Estudiantes should knock themselves out of this rather form, but are they going to, is the question. And the Union Racines is also... Mm. It's, it's true supported that, again by recent form, but um, it's one again that you would, you would think that that Racing will be able to, to play themselves yes. out of at some point. Um, otherwise, I, I, Olimpo River, I can see that ending all square, maybe with a River win if it weren't for obviously the Copa Argentina final, um, and so that that makes it perhaps slightly harder to call. That's because River uh, for sure will play with the uh, reserves, uh, like Independiente team. Uh, team similar to that because uh, three days after coming yeah, from Cordoba they'll be playing with reserves or they'll be playing with the starters who'll yes. all be knackered won't they yeah, so, uh, that's a good point um, but yes thank you very much for those predictions John thank you for everybody for your questions and thank you Andres for coming along it's time to say goodbye this week though so if you're watching the Copa Argentina final tonight enjoy it and if you're watching the league football tonight uh, tonight no wait not tonight sorry if you're watching the Copa Argentina final, I'll say tonight because this will be going online on Thursday. Um, so tomorrow night for us, but tonight for you. Uh, then enjoy it. And if you're watching the league football this weekend, there we go, not tonight. Um, if you're watching the World Club Cup, well. Yeah, uh, whatever time of day it is for you. Enjoy all of that stuff. And we will be back, hopefully, if I can find somebody to come and record, for the final hand of pod of 2016 next week. It's going to be impinging on my pre-Christmas plans. I'm quite annoyed that we have to record so late in the month, but this is what happens when you have the whole season delayed by a week, of course, as it was at the start of the uh, season. Um, So, ladies and gents, thank you very much for another enjoyable week, and it's thanks and goodbye from Andres. Thank you, goodbye. And from me, thank you and goodbye.